Let us pray. God, be in my speaking, be in our thinking, be in our responding to your good news on this day. Amen. I forgot to lift up the fact that, and I, I double-checked uh, the dates, and tomorrow is actually my wife's birthday, for sure. <laughs> Last week I got that wrong. I was really trying. Have you ever been a week ahead in your life and rushed it? That's my excuse. It's my defense. Um, I don't know. I was so excited that I couldn't wait. So last week I did that. Two weeks ago, of course, I had some glass issues and I had lost my glasses on the Easter service and got a box of glasses. Last week, uh, I got my wife's uh, birthday date wrong and thought maybe this last week somebody was going to give me some calendars maybe or something, you know, so I could keep it going. Um, but not to be, not to be. Um, Two people walk into Emmaus, they had some expectations too. And they were truly not met. They were walking away from Jerusalem. They were walking away from Jerusalem. All of the Gospel of Luke was about them walking toward Jerusalem. But Cleopas and the other person walking to Emmaus, they were walking away. We had hoped, they said to the stranger, that Jesus was the one. We, we had hoped that he had sent us a box of something, right? We expected something different out of our Savior than watching him being tortured and killed. And that's, that's how our story, as Karen reads it, opens up. That, that is chapter 24. The 24th chapter of Luke's Gospel of course, that's the middle of chapter 24. The, the, the first part of chapter 24 in Luke's gospel begins there on the precipice of life and death. That, that balance, chapter 24, between darkness and light, what we call early dawn, where darkness and light spar with each other before the light finally emerges victorious. You see, the 23rd chapter ends in full darkness, right? With the death of the one that they thought would save him, save them. Chapter 24 ends with the, or chapter 23 ends with the tomb, closed up, the quiet Sabbath surrounding those who dressed his body. Hope was lost in death-filled darkness. With chapter 24... Chapter 24 begins with a glimmer of hope as the morning rises over the empty tomb. And this chapter, chapter 24, falls neatly into three sections. It starts with Easter morning story, what we read two, two weeks ago. The empty tomb, the men in dazzling clothes who sent the women away with the, with the great news that he's risen. Chapter 24 ends... Out in Bethany with a blessing from Jesus as he was as carried up into heaven. But here in the middle, here in the middle is the story of these two travelers whose expectations were not met, whose hopes were dashed. They were going to Emmaus, about seven miles out. And we don't know why they left Jerusalem. Maybe they left in fear or maybe in despair. Because they didn't know what to do now that everything had changed and their master was gone. 
And on the road, they meet this stranger. They don't recognize him, but they meet this stranger. And I can't help but wonder if he seems a little familiar to him as he's walking alongside them. Like maybe they've met him, them, him somewhere before. He can't quite, they can't quite place as he walks along. Have you ever done that? I mean, I kind of find it hard to believe, but maybe in the half-life. Have you ever run into somebody at the grocery store that you work with at work and just could not recognize them because they were so out of place? I hope I'm not the only one where that happens. They didn't recognize Jesus. Could have been their deep grief. When we're shocked, sometimes we have a hard time recognizing people. But the three of them are walking. And the two travelers don't seem to understand what's happened uh, as the stranger tries to tell them in a way they're walking the wrong way. They're walking the opposite way. But before they know it, uh, they've arrived where they were going to, seven miles down the road. Now, this stranger was asking, like, what are you talking about? I mean, this text is so rich. You could, you could preach a lot of sermons on this. I hope I don't preach too many sermons on it this morning. But, but it's like, what are you saying? What, what, are, you, what are you talking about? You, you haven't, are you the only one in Jerusalem that doesn't know? And then, and then they told this stranger just about everything. They gave him all the data, right? He was crucified. He taught. He did miracles. He did all these great things. But, but we thought he was the one to redeem Israel. You know, in just a little short, uh, uh, want to stop and call time out and say, you can know all the data, but not get the full picture, right? We can know all the answers about Jesus and not quite get it. But Jesus doesn't throw up his hands or roll his eyes. He begins to teach them the scriptures. And going all the way back to the prophets, he begins to tell them on their way back. And then right there near where they were living, they were like, look, the, it's, it's, it's about to get dark again. Um, they, they did what any, anybody, any decent person would do. Do you want to come? Come eat with us. You want to come eat? And all of a sudden, it's not, we're not sure who invited whom, right? They invited this stranger, but then this stranger becomes the host at the table. And when they sit down to eat, surely it starts to come back to them. They start to recognize Jesus because he's painting the full picture of them, not just of his teaching, but who he is. Because as soon as he grabbed that bread, and broke it as soon as the crumbs hit the table. They recognized that this is Jesus. They thought back, this is the guy who fed the 5,000. This is the guy who had us in the upper room. This is the guy in the Last Supper. And before they were gathered and they were frightened... And they recognize him. This is the guy that told us about things we didn't understand or didn't want to know or didn't want to hear about him dying. This is the guy who passes the cup and the bread. Surely it starts to come back to them. In the story, it's the breaking of the bread that does it. The breaking of the bread does it. It's when he breaks the bread that they finally remember where they'd met this man before. It's when he breaks the bread when the flesh of the bread is torn that they know their eyes are finally finally open and they can see what's really happening 
It's when he breaks the bread that they're brought back from the shadows of death. And they realize this, that life has won. That the one they tried to kill could not stay dead. And the one they tried to trap in a tomb could not stay in the tomb. They realize that life has won. And just as surely as he did this, he vanished. That's, that's so strange to me. What's going on there? One commentator said, you know, he vanished there and diminished in their sight. And Jesus would from then on be found in the mission of the church. If we want to find where the crumbs and the broken bread is, go to Honduras. Or go put a house together for habitat. Or stop in the sidewalk to listen to a complete stranger who asks for some money. And you may not have all that much money and you may not can help them in every single way. But you can stop and look them in the eye. Maybe you can say a prayer for them or offer help. From then on, after the bread is ripped, Christ is found in the mission of the body of Christ. That's where we'll, that's where we'll find him. That's where we'll find him. It seems to me that we, the church, kind of live in the middle of this chapter, in between the folded sheets and the empty tomb and Jesus' ascension. That's exactly where we are, church. That's exactly where we are. I know we're supposed to celebrate the birthday of the church when? Pentecost, that's when we sing happy birthday to the church and do all that kind of stuff. But I really do think that we're sort of in between the empty tomb and the ascension. I think the church is born there and we're broken up here with the breaking of the bread. Did you hear what they said when he vanished as well? Were not our hearts burning we, we sang it in the hymn. I love how the hymn was just, it, right when Ethan lit that Christ candle, we were talking about burning. Were not our hearts burning? Isn't that how the risen Christ works with us, surprises us? And you know, I don't want to go as far as to say our hearts have to break or broken hearts burn better, make better kindling. But I kind of think they do. Sometimes in our pain and in our brokenness is right where God wants to strike the match and light the fire in you and in me. Broken hearts burn the brightest. We weren't there that morning and we didn't see the rolled away stone. We didn't hear the women tell the story and the great mystery. And, and we don't know a whole lot about the great mystery that lies far off. We don't... It's hard to comprehend heaven, but we're right there kind of in between, aren't we? We're right there in the middle of chapter 24. We're Luke 24 Christians, right? Somewhere in between the darkness of despair and the light of day where they both meet. And sometimes in the most surprising ways, when we invite Jesus to stay a while and to break bread, something beautiful and miraculous and beautiful uh, and powerful happens. It's where the church lives. Gathered right here around this table, telling the old, old stories. Digging up scriptures. Where is God in all this? Gathering around the table. Sometimes it's a formal communion. Sometimes it'll be like next week when we're, when we're breaking bread that's got pimento cheese sandwiches. You know, pimento cheese in them, right? You just never know where God 
is going to show up. Because the risen Christ is still on the loose. And maybe, maybe when we go through those dry spells and we're not recognizing Jesus, maybe it's because we are too scared to go in the broken places of our own lives and in others. But there's always a calling. No matter how long we walk in the wrong direction toward Emmaus, God is always interrupting our conversations. What are you talking about? What, what are you talking about? I know Jesus is waiting for you and for me if we'll just listen. Maybe the church becomes a place where these truths are broken up a little bit. And with eyes wide open, we can see that there is way too much injustice in the world. There's too much pain. With eyes wide open, we can see that there are too many hungry and, not, and too many people left out in the cold. Maybe we can realize that there are too many strangers still not welcome at the table. And we got to go out and find them. Maybe we just admit sometimes that we feel like we're the stranger. And maybe that's all Jesus needs. A little bit of a toehold when we just confess that I'm not in a good place, God. Or maybe we share that with a friend or someone that we trust. I mean, for 12 weeks I've been trying to tell these confirmands that the church is not so much about brick and mortar. It's not so much about the building as it is about us listening deeply to each other and slowing down to hear one another's stories so that as we go to Emmaus, we can hear the one voice that calls us all out into a different kind of way of living in this world. This morning, we talked to, to, to the confirmands. We talked with them individually because we, we don't want anybody to step up here and join the church if they're not really serious about it. And they may not be, and that's okay. It may be not the right time, and that is all right. It will not mean that we have failed as a church. And more than one said, I'm really thinking about this because I can tell this is a big commitment. Because who in the world wants to walk intentionally in the broken places in this world? Jesus is not for the faint of heart. But what happens? After he rips the bread apart and the crumbs hit the table, do they celebrate there and high-five each other that we saw had a Jesus sighting? No, they got out of their house and they ran the opposite way to tell their friends. There's something about recognizing Jesus that sends us off on the next journey, this lifelong journey. Maybe, maybe the church, maybe we're at our best when we run out. When we think about who's hurting in our, in our places of work and uh, our literal neighbors that are living right beside us. Maybe when we slow down, we are at our best when we're not scared of a little broken bread and crumbs on the floor. When we break out of the egg or the shell of our own comfort zone. Maybe life begins for Christians and those who dare to follow Jesus outside your comfort zone. Maybe God doesn't want us just to go home 
and hunker down, but to get out and share. Maybe the church is about sharing meals, about crying together at the funeral of a friend, lifting prayers up like we did in weekly worship, and telling and retelling the stories of Scripture, so much so that we start to realize, I'm walking to Emmaus too, and Jesus is coming for me as well. Working for justice, serving together for, for the community, for the world, suggesting sometimes loudly, sometimes gently, that maybe there might be a better way to live, another way to live. That's where the church lives. Somewhere between the folded cloths in the tomb and the ascension of Jesus, here we are. This world may seem broken, as broken as the bread that, that Jesus broke. But I still believe we get glimpses where grace breaks open and we can see that life just might win again. If we will let Jesus come and be the host at our tables and break the bread among us, maybe we too will recognize him again. That's the good news, and it's also the challenge. May it be so. Let us pray.